Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. The trio has returned. It's the three of us today, um, which will either create cheers across the nation or leave this video with zero views. Um, we'll find out later. So I'm joined as ever by SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? I'm um, very good, Michael. Now that I've now that I've uh, met the two of you in person and the Born Book team, I'm uh, in high spirits and ready to go. Oh, this is the first podcast since, isn't it? Yeah, we had a, yeah. a good time in in London last week. Um, yeah. Got a bit, got, got a bit we'll drunk. Got, soon got, got a bit jolly. Listen, to, <laughs> listen to some Shebert. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's the uh, the typical lads' night out, as they say, isn't it? You go to a Shubert and then sit in the park outside the rave music we... well one thing one thing we, we, we did that I, I i think deserves some mention is we we ended up walking through a big anti-lockdown protest in in whitehall that's true we saw piers corbyn we saw piers um, corbyn yeah. handed yeah, handed a copy of uh what's it called the light, the light i think it yeah. is so i i didn't realize that that was shoved in my the, my back pocket for the, for the rest of the day so we we're going around fancy areas we're in a restaurant at a Schubert concert, and I had some big banner about um, how many people the vaccine is killing sticking out of my pocket. <laughs> that probably in hindsight wasn't the best idea, but there you are. Uh, and we're also joined by Luke Perry then. Luke, how are you? Yeah, um, I, I too remember the London trip, the uh, the Schubert concert, the lockdown protests, but uh, what really got me was um, dinner in, I think it was Soho. Oh my God, my bank account has yet to forgive me. <laughs> well, I've got to say, Sam, you the, the, one of the things that sticks with me most, uh, which you weren't there for, very lucky on your part, was walking through Shoreditch. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is a, an area of town to avoid. Mm. Was Yeah, I, I, had to, I, I, had to, I had to nip off to get the last train and left you guys in the, in the, wild, oh, the wild east, on the wild west. Yeah. Yeah, that everyone kept on calling me Charlie, and I didn't know why. Um, but there you are. Now we'll we'll move on from the the comedy routine, which clearly isn't working. Um, it isn't all about lockdown this week, or about COVID, in case anyone uh, tries to say that we've we've found that loophole. Um, maybe two stories on the matter, but the second one at least won't be. But we'll we'll start as we always do with a COVID story, um, and namely this time. I mean, there's there's a period a few months ago where Every day there was a new report out on the uh, the backlog within the NHS and specifically the cancer backlog. It's sort of been called the, the hidden pandemic, hasn't it? Or the forgotten C word um, over the past 18, 19, nearly 20 months, I think now at this point. Um, and that has sort of seen a bit of a revival this week, at least, with, with two reports out. One um, which suggests we could be seeing 10,000 extra deaths from cancer um the, the normal due to basically due to the, the stay at home protect the nhs message ironically which scared people out of their wits from going to the nhs and and you know quote burdening the nhs as if as if um the nhs was there for something else other than for treating people with things like this so that that, that drive pushed by the government and millions of pounds of which were spent on this and advertised on the, the front pages of the newspapers on the television on the radio in daily briefings um will law lead to plenty more deaths and has, has created a terrible problem in terms of backlog and another report today which i find um even more worrying by the Institute of Public Policy Research, suggests that the backlog is so long it could take over a decade 
to clear it. And um, I'll clarify there, since since um, some people have commented on uh, my writing on this, that that is not including everybody being treated. You know, you could say, well, a lot of these people will die anyway, so the backlog will be cleared earlier. No, the study presumes that not everybody will be treated. And another presumption it makes, um, which might not end up being true, so could suggest it might take longer to clear the backlog, is that the, the actual number of treatments given, um, so sort of the, the cancer care activity levels, are 5% higher than they were before lockdown. So if they don't become 5% higher than they were before lockdown, we could be seeing the backlog taking even longer to get cleared and indeed even more people dying along the way. So, you know, as, as more scientists are saying, we're not going to see more deadly variants. That was the, the lead scientist behind the AstraZeneca vaccine. And others are saying the, the virus has got nowhere else to go. Um, instead, we're starting to realise just how much damage we've done, uh, namely in the in the field of, of cancer and cancer treatment and i think this is going to be honors for decades to come yeah, I, I used to be able to um recite that the current nhs backlog all back in that year 2020 but as it began to quickly rise by the millions uh, i've just lost track and in the end there's no point it's it's still growing and if the nhs is still in this state of emergency steps will never be taken to clear it and uh, as you said, Curzon may take 10 years. Of, of course, that's probably an underestimate. Mm. And the NHS as an institution before the pandemic was one that was already on its knees. Every winter was a crisis. Yeah. It's, when Parliament got back off its summer holiday, one of the first things they talked about was how we're we going to prep the NHS for winter. And now it, it's been um, slapped with a... <laughs> A backlog by the millions it's that that's when we should be clapping on our doorsteps yeah but this this is an insurmountable challenge and the nhs really does deserve our, our full support hmm. well also it, it begs the question you know is it there to look after us or are we there to look after it you know the if if the the healthcare yeah. service of our, of our country requires the complete locking down of all commercial activity and social life in order to protect it is it really is it really worth its weight yeah i know and also we've we've found out now that the opposite was actually the case that locking down has led to far more damage i mean one once um uh, some reports today are suggesting that people are, are suffering from the worst colds they've ever suffered from after um spending all this time being locked indoors not um meeting with people uh, and sort of not building up their their immunity to uh, things which normally spread around us so we're, we're, we're suffering worse reactions because of it we've seen that with children especially with babies as well uh, born during lockdown whose immune systems are said to be far weaker because they've not been you know mixing with and experimenting with with different children um, and just uh, the, the outdoor surroundings as well especially people who don't have much of a garden which is plenty of them in this country in this day and age so yeah the problem is is insurmountable and you know we uh, professor carol sakura who's written in the express over the last year has often suggested at the time when we had the daily COVID briefings, we heard every night how many new so-called cases there were and how many deaths, uh, which of course were, were 28 days after one of these cases um, had, had occurred over the past 24 hours. But what we should have had, according to Carol Sakura, was a briefing on the damage done to cancer, on how many people have died from cancer in the past 24 hours, on how many 
uh, cancer referrals have been cancelled on how big the waiting list have become. I think if we'd done that, then people might have had a, a better perspective of just what the lockdown was actually doing. Uh, but because of the way uh, the government went about it, something like that was never going to happen. And, and people's minds have been solely focused on COVID, much to their and our detriment. There was um, there's a really harrowing um, exchange on I think, I think it was Jeremy Vine's show a few weeks back where someone had called in because um, they were unable to see a GP for so long. And when they were finally able to, you know, get scans and that sort of thing, they realized, they were told that they had six months to live their terminal cancer and, and there's nothing that they could do about it. It was inoperable because the the um, the window had closed to safely deal with it. Um, you know, and, and that is one story that that made it through the phone line. I mean, there's there's a myriad of, of others. Yeah, this is the important thing with cancer is that if it's caused at a particular time, obviously it's it differs greatly with different cancers. But if if certain cancers are caused at you know early dates, then the chance of it being treated are significantly higher than if it's caught further down the line and sometimes as you say uh, in that example it's just far too late nothing can be done at that point you're just uh, on a on a waiting list to die um, for you know as it gets further down the line so it, it's really important that these referrals happen early that people uh, actually do report signs um, but what what we've been reading over the past year is that people have been ignoring signs or you know have been much less willing to go and talk to somebody if they spot certain symptoms not just of cancer but of all sorts of illnesses and diseases because they didn't want to again burden the nhs so the, the government really has a lot to answer for in terms of the impact of its messaging which clearly was very 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 effective um but they they clearly hadn't thought of the consequences on anything else which I is think... true of the whole uh, covid response yeah it's no been solely focused on what will this do about covid never about anything else not on the consequences health consequences whether that be mental or physical economic consequences educational consequences always ignored in favor of what happens to covid the consequence of, of this very carpet bombing strategy is that many people of this nation have become acutely aware that the nhs is not out to um cure them of their ailments or at the very least is very inefficient or neglectful in doing so so many are flocking to get private health insurance which um in a nation which de declares that the nhs is its most prized possession healthcare free at the point of use it's um a bit of cognitive dissonance in that way that um that the pandemic and the general attitude towards of the institutions towards the, the healthcare service and, and the health of the nation is um, oh. profound really well the, the healthcare service has become a political entity right it's it's it the only way it could possibly survive and function properly is if it were a completely non-political entity but like think back of do you remember there was those all those exchanges a couple of years back where like um doctors and nurses were like confronting the prime minister in hospitals and all of them were you know, like labor activists right or uh fast forward to, to like recently where the nhs has, has put forward a memo about you know about uh about, about treating you know uh like like white privilege and patients and um a member saying you know like uh said like white people should be uncomfortable right it's a it's a complete it's, it's it's a completely captured political institution and i'm not i'm not surprised that it's no longer really fit for purpose covid or no covid and um you know they're 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 they're, they're, they're wasting vast swathes of the budget on hiring diversity and inclusion officers who are paid more than the actual 
director general of the whole thing throw to that th throw into that a, a completely uh, myopic response to a, a a mild respiratory illness and you have you know a, a sleepwalking institution yeah i think with with so much else that that um we can say has been harmed by lockdowns you know such as education and the economy it's fair to say that these things were doing horrendously anyway um we're, we're in very bad states lockdown has simply acted as a as a as a i wouldn't say a final trigger but very much uh, has has jumped forward many steps the, the damaging process that was already going on mm. yeah no, absolutely yeah and then this this is where we sound like a broken record where um we've talked about this many, many we talked about this many times before how um, our institutions and civilization was already crumbling the pandemic was exploited by political opportunists which sent it downhill much faster and the nhs is no exception yeah well maybe perhaps we sound too much like a broken record then we'll move to the second story uh which is about the the recent um and continuous it seems insulate britain protests mainly on the m25 i think luke are you going to tell us a little bit about this so, yeah this group Insulate britain is basically um extinction rebellion rebranded re it's just um, a cult of climate alarmists who are composed of very wealthy or um very wealthy people or um people with very wealthy parents who and that's why they're able to continue these protests indefinitely and the insulate britain has pulled a little stunt brit has um blockaded the uh, m25 and um uh, of course this being one of the main being the artery into the nation's capital has caused a bit of a stir and uh, just point out a select few um events so the, the first thing to point out is how um accommodating the uh, the authorities are are. there's a video of um, a policewoman talking to protesters sitting on the ground and she's gesturing and acting in a way to, as if they were school children and she was the, the, the teacher out to defend them and she's she goes oh if you need anything if you need a, a bottle of water a snack if you feel tired just come and let us know I mean it, it's, it's like they had paid to rent out the road yeah. <laughs> and um, but the road they were um blockading the uh, the motorists were not so lucky one um motorist was desperately trying to get his mother to hospital who had a stroke and uh, the mother did not was not able to be admitted to hospital for six hours in which time her condition deteriorated and she has been left permanently paralyzed and um, there was another video of a, a motorist confronting the uh, insulate britain protests course you know, nothing to do sit in your vehicle may as well get out have a wander around you wander to the the front of the um the roadblock and uh, he said hey people may agree with your causes but you are going the very wrong way about it and people will not take kindly to um to that and will, will alienate people but then again the uh, our political class is bending over backwards to to accommodate the uh, the climate alarmists yeah mm -hmm. Well, we'll we'll talk in the last segment about the the differing response to um, people with different political opinions. But uh, 
a few elements which to me show just how blind those who are uh, protesting on the M25 are to the actual impact they're having on you know the motorists and, and the country uh, are these I mean one chap has been on Good Morning Britain and had a bit of a hard time from Richard Madeley who did a very good job I think actually um, no, this this man who is involved in the uh, in the the campaign, uh, his own home isn't um, insulated, which is quite ironic. Um, but was was being had it put to him that some people in in these queues might be trying to desperately get to hospital and might risk terminal conditions unless they move out the way. And how would you feel about this? And they say, oh well, we're sorry, but don't you realise we're trying to save the world here? So clearly, it's much better. Now, at first, this was hypothetical. What Richard Madeley said, though, obviously was going to happen. And as he just said, Luke, we've had one terrible example of that woman who is now permanently paralysed. And again, he said, well, yes, it's terrible, and you know all this, la da da but we're saving the world. And he actually also ended up by comparing himself to Churchill. He said not long before the war, Churchill only had about six MPs backing him in Parliament, but uh, clearly he was right to, you know, this, that and the other, and he was up against the Nazis. So that, that shows you one of the ways in which these people think. They view themselves as heroic figures fighting against evil, murderous Nazis. Yet it's them who are causing <laughs> the most problems. And, and another example which I think really demonstrates just how little these people appreciate uh, the, the damage they're causing is another video where this cafe owner has clearly been stopped twice in a row, two days in a row. And he goes up to the front and says, you're ruining my business. I'm going to have no customers again today. I had no customers yesterday. I'm likely to have the same tomorrow. And if this carries on, especially after the long months of lockdowns, I'm going to have to close my business down and I've got a family to support. And what do the, the campaigners do? They don't stand up and move to the side and allow everybody to pass. They have a little whip round and one chap says, well, we should all give him £10 each. So they get a tenner out each and they hand this chap, I don't know, must be £80, £100, something like that, and say, look, we've solved your problem. And the guy very uh, principally says, no, I'm not taking it. This is ridiculous. The simple fact is that I'm not the only person being stopped here. It's not just my business you're putting at risk. You're putting thousands of people's businesses at risk. You're causing... Uh, insufferable health problems among many other people and um, also damaging the mental health of others as well so but what the video demonstrated was that they thought you know it's just you know we can solve all this by giving 100 pounds to this man and then all the problems will be over they don't appreciate just how many people and businesses and families they're disrupting uh, which is sort of classic mm. uh, environmental campaigner style and given the police response clearly isn't going to be stopped anytime soon it's so indicative of of 21st century activism that a, a group of you know affluent boomers, um, just bored career activists, are preventing the actual working class from earning a living. Yeah, it's 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 almost humorous if it were if it wasn't so annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, we, and we may criticise them for saying, "Oh no, you're not helping the environment." You're creating cycle paths that make people drive in the lower gears but they don't care they've got a messiah complex yeah mm. yeah 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 that they're, they're saving the world and you're you're you know you're putting food on the plates of your children can wait yeah in his own words he the, this this person is a churchill figure and anybody who questions him or tries to stop him or those who he's trying to fight against to the nazis um maybe the people who try to get them out of the way of the appeasers i don't know but it's it really is a, a just a classic state of people who are so narrow-minded that they can't 
they can't fathom that their own actions might actually damage other people. Um, or at least if they realise they can damage other people, they justify it by saying, well, it doesn't matter because we're doing it for their greater good. In fact, that's sort of the, the, the very good uh, sort of communist fashion of the the uh, uh, helping the, the poor serfs by saying, oh, look, we might be damaging their prospects right now, but we're doing it for their good. We know what's best for them. Um, but I'm sure actually the, the small cafe owner probably knows what's best for him, and that's to keep the doors open and to keep the customers coming in. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's, for your, it's for your own good is, is the credo of every totalitarian police state. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, mm. we we see it. Well, we've seen it with lockdown, haven't we? Stay indoors for eighteen months for your own good. It's it's for your benefit, and we see it with you know uh, the sort of the the security cameras and the the likely move to being a cashless society. All of these things, which actually uh, don't do us very much good and rather benefit other people, are being branded as being for our good, for our convenience, for our safety. Um, never considering um, that there might be an, an opposite side to all this. Hmm. Well, next year, that there might be somebody in that backlog of cars who's dying. Yeah. 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 As, as well, even this for your for the greater good or for your own greater good purpose has to be further legitimised by um, a battle of good and evil, and this this is how. Um, political discourse is represented in the 21st century it's it's a battle between good and evil my opponents aren't you know just of merely a different opinion than me they haven't come to different conclusions they're just evil bigoted racist whatever co2 polluters and they need to be culled from the political scene i'm right um, i'm right and you're evil yes yes and that a very dangerous mindset that um, if you acquire necessitates violent action because if you do view your opponents as evil, you view them as um, unredeemable <laughs> and you you view them as um, un- unpersuading and they will do harm to you, therefore, to defend yourself. Look, in Sri Lanka, Britain, we know are the aggressors in this. They don't. They think they're the defenders, not just that, they're the new Jesus Christ. Uh, there you are. But as, as we were saying before we started recording, just picture these people uh, presenting or demonstrating for a different cause, one which wasn't environmentalism, which is you know, Boris's uh, new new favourite uh, buzzword. Well, it's uh, carries, but, but yeah. Well, yes, but <laughs> they're one and the same. Um, if instead they were protesting against lockdown, we can just imagine what response would be given. They'd be hauled off within moments. Um, and uh, we see this, um, again, not just as a hypothetical, but through evidence of what's going on in australia which yeah. sam you might have to talk about now yeah no we, we we don't need to imagine we just need to you know look at what's happening in um in the in the land down under um just to sort of shamelessly shield my own my own writing here i the last piece i wrote for born book was about um how protest movements are predetermined the the idea that um spontaneous power of the people is one of the great myths of liberal democracy in that before the first placard is raised above one's head, the success or failure of the movement is predetermined. You can see this with the, the kid gloves approach to people who are disrupting, again, which is a, a passage to hospitals, to business, to earning an income for people who are working class. That was okay. I mean, you know, obviously they, they, they've been moved off you know, eventually, and and uh, I believe today, in they were blockading the port of Dover, and it was only around for about twenty minutes. Um, 
but we need to look at Australia to see um, what is what is really um, coming to us soon. Um, Australia um, is, as um, I heard in a recent uh, AA stream, um, perfectly put, is Australia is the perfect petri dish for the uh, tyrannical regime of the 21st century. It's a population that is 95% urban, uh, completely disarmed as of the mid-90s and proud of the fact and now the chickens are coming home to roost. Um, we've seen all, all throughout the process the Australian police with a complete power trip willing to just enact casual brutalistic violence on its own people no matter how old or young or frail they are and the, the various mandates in Australia put us to shame. You know Australians in some parts of the country are required by law to download a geolocating face scan app to prove that they're at home when they should be mm. and 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 it it um it it uh boiled over in in victoria um which is uh where, where melbourne is where there's been a, a a massive uptick in protests because of the draconian measures brought in by um the i don't think it's the the central australian government more uh, the regional government the the governor governor of of, of uh, victoria I, I don't recall his name but um he it seems to me like he's a sort of bored and paid for uh, agent of the uh, the uh, the Chinese government. He was um, the only uh, regional premier in Australia to sign up for the uh, the Belt and Road Initiative, which is you know quite telling. But um, the police in Victoria have just been on an absolute power trip, and every day there's new videos of just casual violence against anyone who. Um, seems to uh, go against the mold or, or casual harassment. There's a video of you know, some some friendly, chipper-sounding cops going to someone's house and questioning them about their likelihood to attend a protest, as if that's a normal thing to happen in a free country. Um, which, by the way, Australia is not anymore. But it boiled over. Um, they uh, they call them tradies, tradies in Australia. They're, they're characterised by wearing high-vis vests. Uh, often working construction, carpentry, any sort of you know manual labour task. Basically, the 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 backbone of Australia's economy, which is still heavily rooted in um, mining and and um, and production, um, have an issue with the vaccine mandates. And as such, they've taken to the streets. So some of the largest protests I think of, that have ever been seen in Australia. Um, and it's it's really really boiled over. And there's been seen there's been sites of you know the protesters sort of you know, knocking down police and getting through them and, and vice versa. But um, what happens in Australia is something that we should all take, uh, have a very close eye on because if um, what's happening there is allowed to continue, it's only a matter of time before it comes to our doorstep. Mm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Australia has been at the forefront of most of the uh, sort of COVID response in terms of extreme measures. Uh, for example, with the, the shutting down of, of very large areas I think it was New South Wales after, you know, one or two cases, yeah. uh, one case in, in one scenario, um, which, I don't know, just imagine reading that two years ago, that there's one case of a disease and it shuts down the, the whole economy. It's incredible, really. Um, they also found traces of it in the sewage in one, in one place. Yeah, got to be careful. Well, if you heard if you heard it two years ago, you think, "Wow, this must this must be the the, the new Black Death. This, this must this, this, this must kill anyone within a matter of moments." No, like that's that's the part that makes me the most frustrated is is when you have all these people online who you know who who bootlick for these measures, seemingly seemingly unaware that this virus has like a remarkably low fatality rate compared compared to things like. Spanish flu, bubonic plague, 
know, it's uh, none of this is justified at all. But it's again, also possibly, importantly, massively differential in terms of age. Whereas things like Spanish flu didn't care yeah. whether you were old or young, COVID is, is very much an attacker of the old, mm. which mm. isn't to say that it's any better, but it's to say that different measures can be taken. You can uh, have uh, protection in, in certain strata of society rather than closing absolutely everybody mm. down. Well, yeah, yeah. Like it, it's to say that um, in, enacting something comparable to you know a, a brave new world type system Based on a based on a virus, the only people who are at threat of um, the people who are, who are at threat of which are naturally presupposed to viruses. Anything? Yeah, exactly. It's um, but again, it's like with Australia, it's 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 important to sort of broaden your scope of of what's happening here because it isn't just um a, a a trial ground for COVID restrictions. It's a, it's a trial ground for future governance, a sort of a biosecurity state. The um, again, as I said before, because the the way Australia is set up, um, in the way that its population is divided among like four or five urban areas, which accounts for about ninety plus percent of the population, makes it um, yeah, just a perfect trial run for um, the the bleak and barren wasteland that we're hurtling towards. Yeah, let's also have a look from some recent headlines from down under Sydney anti-lockdown protest organizer sentenced to eight months of jail. Okay. Yeah. COVID-19 positive children very frightened and separated from parents at Sydney's Westmead Hospital. Mm -hmm. Rescue dog shot dead in Australia over coronavirus restrictions. Yeah. And in its special guest appearance from the Kiwi state, man caught smuggling KFC and over $100,000 in cash into lockdown Auckland. I think also in, in Australia, there was a case where um, alcohol was confiscated at the door of um, a block of flats and the authorities were busy sifting through people's groceries to see if they weren't drinking too much. I mean, I'm pretty sure um, alcohol will um, make short work of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, it's it just seems for prohibition and control for the sake of prohibition and control but the, the another the other side of the coin is that the australian people are despite the protests largely in, in acceptance when australia held um state elections during lockdown many incumbents who had introduced all these draconian measures draconian measures were just swifted back into office and even even in west australia which had some of those brutal lockdown restrictions the um the incumbent won such a monumental victory yeah. so there's no incentive for the politician to give it up no i think what you have to bear in mind with all of this because it is shocking sometimes you think how how can people be so upset accepting and i think you have to realize we yeah i read the newspapers and read all the main sources but i don't watch news television uh, television news sorry i don't listen to the news on the radio um and i think that's people's primary consumption of news these days it's sort of finished dinner news on at eight o'clock or maybe 10 o'clock before bed something like that it seems to be how a lot of people run or maybe radio in the car on the on the way to work or on the way back and of course these sources have been pumping out fear and fear galore um, and that's the the only thing some people hear and yet you, it, it makes it quite easy to understand when you bear that in mind just how how gripped not just this nation but most nations across the world mm. have become with hysteria well this, this is this has been this has been an, an incrementally increased process it's been gradually introduced into the populace you know fear of innocuous things has been 
I mean, it's, it's been permanent in mass culture for for years now. You know, look at during the Trump era, the the uh, the fear that American media propagated about you know the rise of fascism, when it was it was it, it was always a minuscule threat which only ever really posed a threat of sporadic violence, not you know top down societal change. Um, the the, the, the Western progressive mind has been conditioned into a fear response because fear is what makes people most like, you know, malleable. Yeah. You know, when, when you're terrified, when you genuinely fear for your life and someone puts their arm out to you, you're going to grab it. Doesn't matter whose arm it is. Doesn't matter if it's the arm of the devil, you'll grab it because you're terrified. Mm. You know, and that's a symptom as me and Luke always talk about of, um, of low trust where people don't trust each other. People don't trust that, you know, like, how many times have you been walking down the street, like, you know, without a mask on and someone's like recalled in horror and cross the street when they've seen you, walk, like, especially during, during the early, early days of COVID. People don't trust their neighbors. They don't trust their, their compatriots. They only trust people who at this point, it can't be said that they don't mean harm. You know, I'm talking about, you know, NGOs, governments, corporations, you know, media outlets. That, that that's who the trust is with even though everything that they're preaching has had absolutely disastrous consequences on the human spirit mm. yeah. and the, 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 well their very risky trust in, in these institutions isn't placed through mutual respect it's just placed through hey we're the people who provide you all your safety and security and you will give us unwavering loyalty Mm-hmm. or yeah you, you you'll give us that or you won't have your security anymore yeah yeah it's um yeah it's and and the, the thing that i find quite frustrating is when, when people cite things like the soviet union or, or the third reich to talk about this as if you know what we're seeing is a 20th century uh tyranny it's not it's a 21st century tyranny it's it's completely different kettle of fish and if we carry on using you know mid-century examples to to refute its claims then we're not going to get anywhere you know a 21st century tyranny requires a 21st century um freedom movement and we aren't going to get that via marching in the street because that's just not how power works these days or ever worked no all right well on that uh well, it's not necessarily a pessimistic message. It's just a, a lesson that we, we want to be learned and a, a message to be spread. It's an objective statement. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's the, the, the most jolly we've ever ended an episode with an objective statement. On that, we will bid you farewell and uh, hope you've enjoyed listening today and that you might choose to listen to us again next week. Thanks as always. Cheers. <laughs>